0: Back to talknorth.com. Thank you for listening. If you can, please download before you listen. It helps our business. I'd also like to thank our producer, Brandon Morton, and let you know if you'd like to sponsor this program or any of the programs on the network, you can reach me at jsouhan47 at gmail.com. Well, John, after the Monday night game, I wrote about Kirk Cousins' struggles, which, of course, set off the Twitter fight, which is, is it Cousins' fault or is it the offensive line's fault? I think the proper answer is both. I just I just happened to pick on Kirk because I didn't like the way he played early in the game. But let's get your reaction after I introduce the show here. This is the Viking Update show with John Krasinski from The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Our producer is Brandon Morton. Please follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. That way you'll be able to keep up with some of the new shows we'll be producing. And we already have a new show on the Gophers uh, that right now is highlighting basketball season, but we'll get to all the sports. That's with Marcus Fuller and Ryan James. Uh, And thank you to our sponsors, Twill in the Adina Galleria and Tony Hoagland, your State Farm agent. So what was your main takeaway after watching the the debacle on Monday night?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that... you know, what What I took away from it and what I wrote um, after the game was just that this is a team that after that performance like that, that you, you just can't trust going into the playoffs. You don't know what you're going to get. I think uh, there is a scenario I could see unfolding where they put everything together. Maybe Dalvin Cook comes back um, and Kirk Cousins plays well and they win a game or two. I could see them getting blown out in the first round. They're just we haven't seen them play very well against a really good team this entire season. Uh, I, I don't think Philadelphia or Dallas qualify like that. So going into the playoffs after this uh, this final tune-up uh, against Chicago this weekend, I, I don't know what to expect. And I think getting to your you know your point about you know, who's to blame with the offense—is it Cousins? Is it the offensive line? I, I do, I'm a catch-all guy. I think when things go as poorly as they did against Green Bay, you can blame everyone. Uh, you can blame Cousins for uh, not being able to make a couple of big plays in tough situations, which primetime quarterbacks are supposed to be able to do. You can blame the offensive line that was completely overwhelmed by Zedaria Smith. I mean, they were, Riley Reef was terrible. The uh, The entire unit just was not very good. You can blame the loss of Dalvin Cook for sure, uh, not having that element. You can also blame the play calling. I think for after so many consecutive weeks of everyone seeming to be in sync, I I don't think that Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak had a a very good game plan or it didn't seem like they had a good one going into this one. So um, I just, you know, I think that watching that performance was glaring and it was bad enough that it does make you question what this team's abilities are going into the postseason, when they will play a good team, you know, unless some miracle were to happen and they get one of the NFC East teams um, in the first round, which doesn't look like is going to happen. Um, they're going to have to beat a good team, and they haven't done that at all this year.
0: I'm in New Orleans on a mini vacation for the holidays, and, you know, you th- start thinking about a matchup between the Vikings and the Saints in New Orleans, and I just don't think the Vikings have what it takes. So, first of all, Saints are really good. Uh, second of all, the Saints have a, a distinct home field advantage and are playing well right now. But third, you know, you could find a decent matchup. Maybe the Vikings actually might match up well with Philadelphia. because Philadelphia has terrible receivers, but for this group of cornerbacks to have to try to cover Michael Thomas and all the other things that uh, that Sean Payton would throw at them would not. I don't think that would be a very fun game. But let's go. Let's go back to Monday night briefly again. There's no doubt the offensive line played poorly and played seemed seemed to play more poor, poorly the longer the game went on. I really feel like the problem started with Cousins. Now, all, obviously, the quarterback doesn't control everything. He doesn't deserve all the blame. But I felt like they had field position. The defense was playing great. The defense was creating turnovers, and they had a chance to. They had a chance to run away with that game and and to set up a, a scenario where. They could run the ball if they wanted to and the Packers might have to just air it out and that would benefit the Vikings defensive line. Instead, I thought the play of the game, third and goal, you just got a gift, you know, from your defense, your third and goal and CJ and CJ Ham is open, wide open, left flat and Cousins completely air mails him. Now, I think a. A good pass thrown on time there. And C.J. Ham has a chance to bully the uh, defensive back and get into the end zone and score a touchdown. And that might change everything that happened after. And I thought that the first couple drives, Cousins looked jittery. And he he, he threw the ball because he was seeing ghosts. Later on, the pressure did get to him. But early on, I thought there were unforced errors. And I thought in a game at home against your primary rival where you have a third string running back in the backfield and it's going to be on the quarterback to make plays. I thought his poor play was the first in the sequence that led to all the bad plays.
1: You know, I I do think that's fair, Jim, in the way that you look at it. And and I think jittery is the right word. And sometimes the uh, demeanor of your quarterback, of your leader, can trickle down to the rest of the offense. And maybe that did happen. I mean, you saw some happy feet. You know that 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 throw that he airmailed to to Ham. I mean, he threw it about two hundred miles an hour yep. too. So it was like, okay, he's really hopped up, he's really amped and excited, and I think that there was a bit of frenetic energy to him, and really then to the offense in general because of that. If you have a quarterback who can display some calm, can can just kind of um, feel present the. Um, the idea to the rest of his teammates that, Hey, I got this, we're going to be okay. Um, That, that would have helped matters a lot. And, you know, to, to, for what the defense was doing, turning over the Packers three times, um, picking off Aaron Rodgers for the first time since like the middle of October um, and, and really making a ton of big plays when you can't cash in, the way that uh, with touchdowns, that is deflating, and I do think that that also led to the defense in the second half getting worn down. Now yep. I've, you know, I've I've been a kind of one of those guys who who has pointed out that in big games, this defense often does not show up. I don't think that was the case on Monday night. I think they came to play. I think you, they got you. You could not have asked for more from them. In that first half, yeah, they gave up some yardage, but man, they made some big plays. They got after it. They put their offense in good position and time and time again, they weren't able to cash in cousins made one great throw and that was to Diggs yep. um, for the touchdown. That was a terrific throw and catch and they just couldn't get anything else going. And I do think that just took the life out of everybody. Um, In the second half, then you get Aaron Jones snapping off some big runs and the defense just ran out of gas in this one. And I do think if Cousins had was able to make a big throw in in, into a tight window uh, to to cash in on one of those uh, on another one of those uh, turnovers for a touchdown. I think that just breathes life into the entire building, into the defense, and it could have gone to a blowout in the opposite direction, but they were never able to cash in. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of that is on cousins and I, I also just, I, there were plenty of times where I was scratching my head and wondering what exactly, you know, are they trying to accomplish from a play calling standpoint as well? They just did not seem to have the right mix to keep the Packers defense off balance or to catch them in, in any uh, kind of unexpected situations. They just never were able to do that. And they got bullied and 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 kind of dominated by that group.
0: Absolutely, I don't want to talk about the running back position here next. Uh, let's thank Twill in the Edina Galleria. The Website is twillmn.com. Find them on Instagram, which is a great place to see all the clothes they have in their shop at uh, at Twill Edina. Uh, check it out. You know, the sportswear, outerwear, tailored clothing, accessories. I've bought all that stuff there. I'm wearing some of it right now as I'm on my vacation. Stuff travels well. Twillmn.com. I'm here with my wife, Stacy. Went We went to Twill in the dining Gallery the other day. We saw Scott Dayton, and I bought the nicest sport jacket I've ever owned, the most comfortable pants I've ever owned. They're Brack's. Uh, a nice pair of loafers that I can wear to the ballpark. I think they're called tracks. Uh, and I bought a bunch of Stenstrom short sleeve shirts to go with my Stenstrom nice dress shirts. And, you know, I used to wear just disposable clothes. Now when I buy something, I buy it at Twill. I know it's going to last me the rest of my life and it's going to be comfortable.
1: And on top of that, it's not just the best stuff you've ever had, but it's really everyday things that you can wear and that will
0: fit all occasions. Twill in the dining gallery dot com. Twill on Instagram. So I don't think Dalvin Cook should be as important as he is to this offense and this team, but he is. And Mike Boone is a, a – I think he's a pretty good player. He's fast. He runs really hard. But we saw the difference on Monday night. We saw that he can get arm tackled. Dalvin Cook does not get arm tackled. Uh, Dalvin Cook, just he's just a rare guy who has a combination of speed, agility, balance, uh, strength, and man, they missed him.
1: They sure did miss them, Jim, and and I, I mean, you hit on it exactly, uh, you know, with this offensive line and how they are at, at their best, they're an okay group uh, that isn't going to just get you killed. And at their worst, I mean, they're terrible and they get overwhelmed, but I think having a guy like Dalvin Cook, who almost always makes the first guy miss in some way, shape, or form, that is such a huge advantage for, uh, for an offensive line like this because they are going to let tacklers through. They are going to let guys get free shots at either Cousins or Cook, and it's up to those guys to be able to elude at least one and then get up the field. Uh, Cousins obviously doesn't do that. That's not his game, but Cook very much does that, and he either jukes or runs through or around. Um, The first uh, would-be tackler and and is always getting positive yardage after that. And that's what they really needed in this game. They needed someone who could go out and beat maybe one or two defenders on his own to give his offensive line a chance to set up some other blocks down the field and and, and get rolling. And so, uh, yeah, you know, in this modern era you think pass first you think quarterback's leading the way but it's no question to me that dalvin cook is the mvp of this offense and that was absolutely underscored against green bay how different would the would the game plan have been with him in there i'm not sure because they were they looked so inept you know so unable to do anything but i just do think that having him in there his elusiveness his game breaking ability You know, even if you just dump it off into the flats with him, which Cousins likes to do, uh, he can really kind of get up field and, and get a first down or two to extend drives, give that defense a chance to take a rest and, and get the field position going in the Vikings direction. And they just, they couldn't do any of that on Monday night. And, you know, yeah, Mike Boone is, is a solid player, but, um, but he certainly is not Dalvin cook and he's not Alexander Madison. And they were missing both of those guys.
0: And I really think also they might have stuck with the run more had they had yes. Cook back there. And that first series, again, maybe they run it three times, you know, because Cook has been so good, uh, it, especially running behind Ham on short yardage situations. There are a lot of times he scores untouched or standing up. Uh, that might change everything as well. The interesting thing here is Cook is simultaneously showing just how vital he is to this offense and also showing why it's so risky to invest heavily in a running back. Because not only is he out right now, but really he hasn't been the same since about week 10, since he started getting beaten up. His numbers just took a nosedive.
1: Yeah, that's right. And and, and I think that is going to be the very difficult decision that the Vikings have to make this offseason. Because there is no question, Jim, that Having Dalvin Cook in the backfield makes them a different offense and a more dynamic one. um when yeah, but but he does get hurt. Um that is a problem. And i I think that when you look at the game on Monday night, you can say that is um example a of why you have to pay Dalvin Cook a bunch of money and make sure that he stays here because he is that important to what they do. But, yeah. You know, If you're going to pay him that amount of money, you have to make sure that he can be on the field for more than 10 games in a season. I mean, that's just the unfortunate reality of that. And so far, um, he has not been able to show that. And so I do believe that he's going to go into this summer or into this winter and spring after the season is over expecting a major payday. I mean, you've seen a couple of guys like Le'Veon Bell like um, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, a few others, who still do get the big contracts. Todd Gurley is another one who got a big contract that isn't working out really right now because of his injuries. And um, you know the nature of the running back position is pretty cold and calculating in terms of what NFL front offices do with that because it's easy for the tread to wear off the tire quickly. On those, on those guys. And so there's a churn at that position that is, you know, even aggressive by, by the NFL standards. And so what will the Vikings do in terms of, do they splash the pot and try and give, um, Dalvin, uh, all the money and, 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 and hope that he does stay healthy over the next three or four years of that contract or, do they say, well, we have Alexander Madison, and maybe we, we look at some other options as well and let someone else pay this guy a ton of money because we need guys who can stay on the field. It's going to be, I think, a difficult decision for them, and it's going to be really interesting to see how that influences what they what else they have to do because, as you know, Jim, they still have t- cousins for a big number next year. Thielen and Diggs are making a lot of money. If you pay Dalvin Cook as well, you're probably going to have to let some defensive guys go that Zimmer doesn't want to let go. You may even it may even impede your ability to sign some more offensive linemen that are actually competent and good at their jobs. And so um, it's going to be a balancing act that Rick Spielman and Rob Brzezinski have to do to um, to try and keep this thing together and and get it improving going into next year.
0: And I'm going to toss out a doomsday scenario here. And listen, it is a week-to-week league. I know it's a cliche, but I don't have a better cliche to offer. And sometimes it's matchup, sometimes it's emotions, whatever. Maybe they come out and play really well against the Bears, and maybe that changes something. Maybe it gives them a shot going to the playoffs. But what I, you know, and here, let me let me thank Tony Hoglund. and I'm going to get to my point. Tony Hoglund, H-O-A-G-L-U-N-D, State Farm Agent, works out of Champlain and handles my insurance, handles Michael Russo's insurance as well.
1: Hi, Talk North listeners. I wanted to let you all know about State Farm's new Quotes for Good program. We partner with local nonprofits to raise money for great causes. Like in update show, I will donate $10 to the Adam Thielen Foundation, benefiting the University of Minnesota Masonic Children's Hospital. When you call in, be sure to mention the show so that we can track the donations. You can reach us at 763 421 4900 or check out our website at Champlininsurance.com.
0: You know, the Wilfs have been pretty good owners. And yeah. they've they've learned to be patient, uh, you know, and I think they learned a lot from the uh, from the way they fired Tice and the way they they brought in Childress. I think they I, I think they adapted pretty well. They've been good owners in a lot of ways. If the goal is to win a Super Bowl and this team ended the season on a three game losing streak, looking overmatched in those three games, I mean, I the thing is, I I, I I would feel silly saying, do they do anything big? Because it's almost like they're already locked into next year. You know, they already have, uh, because of the Cousins contract, because the money they've spent on veteran players, it's almost like they would just have to give this group another shot, but I'm not sure they could do that with any real confidence. If this team doesn't look better either against the bears or in the playoffs.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. It's, um, you, they, they kind of are what they are, um, to some degree, Jim. And I know like, you know, kind of right after the game, I don't know if "understandably" is the right word, but expectedly, uh, I think there emerged sort of this. Well, uh, the Vikings have to just cut Cousins and move on. Well, if you do that, <laughs> I mean, you have thirty-one million dollars in dead money, and, yeah, and so that doesn't really do that. help you. You can't do no. that. So, so um, yeah, I, I do think guys like Xavier Rhodes, um, you know, probably will be going, moving on, and and be, it's a little easier to move on from a few other contracts. And everything will Cousins. probably either be cut or or opt out. Pay cut, pay cut or any, yeah, yep. any of these things, yeah. And Rudolph, so, too, probably. Rudolph, too, yeah. So there will be changes. I mean, there are changes every year. But, yeah, in terms of, uh, you know, kind of the headline-grabbing major, major moves, uh, yeah, I don't know what is available to them in terms of the uh, their ability to, to, to make significant moves that way. You know, it, again, I think like, let's say that they lose in the first round. Um, and you yeah, there will probably be people that say, well, you need, you should fire Zimmer and move on. Um, but I mean, look, they've had a good year and, and Mike Zimmer has in, in general, I think been had this team very competitive for most of his tenure. So I would be reluctant to pull the trigger on him as well. I mean, he's, established himself um as a coach who can who can bring a team to a standard. Yeah, he hasn't gotten to the big one yet, but um whenever you make a a move like that, um you better have a almost certainty that whoever you're getting to replace him is going to be better. And I think that that is a tough uh tough ask for for any ownership group, particularly one that like the Wolves that does pride itself in Sort of being patient and not being knee jerk and and not making changes for changes sake. So um, yeah, they're you know it, it's just kind of interesting how quickly you, the 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 rhetoric changes and that's just the nature of the NFL. But just before the Packers game, it sure seemed like the Vikings were building momentum um, and were on their way to 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 big things or at least there's a lot of optimism surrounding them going into the playoffs. And it just did take one game to really expose all of the doubts, all of the the questions that this team has had really for the last couple of seasons, but I think are as uh, applicable right now as they ever have been.
0: Well, let's wrap up the show with uh, a little discussion about Adam Thielen. Uh, and once again, thank you to uh, Twill. Thanks to Tony Hoagland. Please follow us on Twitter, TalkNorthPod he was invisible on Monday night and you know, they did give it to him on like kind of that, that weird dope, uh, fake reverse play that mm-hmm. where they ended up giving him. But I mean, he dropped one pass and he did not have many targets. Are, are you sensing that he is trying to play with, with an injury and he just isn't himself or what do you think is going on there? Well, I, yeah, I think he's still
1: working his way back. It, it, it sure seems that way. Um, he is not quite the, you know the the dynamic route runner that he was before he was hurt and that's understandable he missed a ton of time um, so you know when you look at this week coming up I mean there's not really much reason to play many of your key guys other than if you want to try and get a little bit of a rhythm going going into uh the playoffs after the stinker that you put up in in the Packer game but I think you could make an argument that Thielen should play to continue to try to knock that rust off. I think part of the problem on Monday night was they had so few plays in general, um, just because they couldn't sustain a drive that there weren't that many opportunities going Thielen's way. I think he had four passes thrown his way and, and, and zero catches the one play that was a drop uh, cousins did put it right on him. It was a really good throw, then Thielen got tangled up with the defensive back and was falling to the ground. It would have been a very difficult catch. But it's one that we are used to seeing Thielen make uh, in his career. And so um, that one did not connect. Um, But I do think that he's still working through things. He's still getting back into uh, the swing of things a little bit. And um, I don't know. They obviously... I think they need him back much closer to what, what he was going into these playoffs, Jim, because what do, you know, what do you think you're going to get from Dalvin Cook? I mean, he's going to get a couple of weeks off, but I don't know if he's going to be fully healthy or back to what he was again before the injury by that time. And so they need that passing game to be open and dynamic, but you also need the offensive line to give Cousins time in that scenario. You also need Cousins to not be jittery, to hang in there. And and to find guys down the down the field, which he has not done in the worst of times. So um, I there are so many things that really conspire against this offense when it is not going well, but certainly I think that getting Thielen back to more of the of the Thielen that we're used to seeing uh, after this long layoff is imperative for them. And and he has not been that that way yet. And I think that there are multiple factors that you can point to for the reasons why he hasn't kind of clicked just yet.
0: Uh, Because this has been a a rather tough podcast uh, where we have pointed out so many flaws, let's find a little bit of hope for the hopeful fan. Uh, I think, first of all, there is still a chance, maybe not, not a good chance, there is a chance the Vikings could play Seattle. In the first round, and while that usually sounds like a death sentence, because the Vikings never play well in Seattle, and Seattle has a tremendous home field advantage, Seattle is incredibly beat up. You know, they mm-hmm. they sign in running backs off the street. uh They don't have, you know, they they have their receivers haven't played well lately. Their offensive line isn't very good. Their defense hasn't been all that good all season. They would, you know, given the injuries, that wouldn't be a terrible matchup for the Vikings. Uh, you know, and I guess the only other hopeful thing I can offer is that the Saints have not been quite as dominant at home this year as they have been in other years, and that's about all I got.
1: Yeah, look, here's what I got uh, in in that regard. Yeah, I, I do think that Seattle would be a little bit better matchup for them than the Saints, and they'd have a better chance, but I'll go back to what probably no one really wants to hear, but is the absolute truth is that in this era of the NFL, of parody, of that there are no juggernauts anymore. I, I Especially uh, if you're playing on opening weekend and you don't have the bye um, in the first round, any team can be beaten. And uh, I, I absolutely think that the that there's a scenario that plays out where whether it is New Orleans or Seattle or wherever, that the Vikings come in and maybe Dalvin Cook is back healthy enough and they just get the right things going early and they're able to ride that wave all the way through to a victory. Um, they have not deserved any faith that way, but um, they I I, I would not rule that out at all and I wouldn't be shocked if it happened just because the NFL by nature. Is very unpredictable. I mean, if you want to go history lesson on it, um, we can go back to 1987, yep. where you know the Vikings were stumbling into the playoffs, not playing well at all, going to New Orleans to play a heavily favored Saints team, and Anthony Carter went wild, and the Vikings just hammered the Saints, and then they beat the freaking 49ers in San Francisco the next week to go to the NFC title game, and. Almost beat a Redskins team that annihilated uh, the 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 Broncos in the in the Super Bowl. So, um, you, yes, that was ages and ages ago. But those kinds of things happen in the NFL. I, I you know I, I can't remember if it was five or six years ago where um, the the Seahawks got into the playoffs on you know and and they were they were like basically the NFC East team where. Well, what are they doing even doing here? And and how do they how dare they deserve a home game? They're playing, I believe it was the Saints. They were playing in the opening round. Oh, they're gonna just get stomped. And they just totally crushed and and, and won that game. There, this thing happens in the NFL all the time. And so if you are a Vikings fan who is understandably frustrated and feeling down about the chances that your team has, I say just lean on the nature of the league itself for being unpredictable and also for, for having teams that are on fairly level ground throughout from top to bottom in this league. Um, you know, if they were playing Lamar Jackson, yeah, I, w- I would not feel great about it. Even if they're, if they're playing new England and uh, I would not feel great about it, but most of these other teams have plenty of flaws and things can get going the wrong way. If you get a big play early and, and you can, you can surprise um, a team. So uh, yeah, it did not look good on Monday night and it did not look like this team is capable of, of of beating a good team, at least offensively. But I think the defense is playing a lot better and over the last two, three to four weeks. And, and this is the NFL baby. So um, anything can happen. And, um, and, and I don't think that the Vikings fans would be fools for going in to New Orleans or Seattle or wherever with at least a little bit of hope that something could happen that that goes in their favor.
0: And to cap the show, these Saints did lose at home to Atlanta on yeah. November 10th, 26-9. to They also lost at home to San Francisco in a shootout, 48-46. And also November 24th, they played a bad Carolina team. 30, and they won 34-31 at home. So, you know, the, the Saints are not invulnerable. They're they're not an impossible yes. team to beat. It just wouldn't be a great matchup. But as you said, we don't know what the heck's going to happen. I certainly wouldn't bet. Pe- I wouldn't bet five dollars on any NFL game.
1: Ne- never. Yes. Yeah. Like, look, I, I I certainly would not. If I'm wearing purple, I would I would not be putting any money down or or saying we're they're definitely going to win this game. But uh, it's certainly not a lost cause either. Is I guess my larger point is that it, it, it absolutely could happen that they just put things together. Cousins gets hot for a game, and uh,
0: and they're marching on to the next round. Absolutely, good stuff from John. Thank you. Thanks to our producer Brandon Morton. We'll be back next week to tell you what happened in the Bears game and to set up the playoffs.